I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. You may not have heard, but we've been expanding the Fair Game app to more countries to one day be a digital clubhouse for golfers across the globe. A few weeks ago, we launched Australia and New Zealand just in time for summer. Now that we're connected to golfers down under, we wanted to get a couple of them on the pod to find out more about their game and their neck of the woods. The first is Grace Raquella, the marketing director at TRI Links, a new and pretty epic course that we can't wait to play. The second is Dan Fantel, the founder of Fantel Sport, a new golf apparel brand with a modern minimalist vibe. Let's get started. So, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Uh, remind me again, what time is it in New Zealand? 11 a.m. Got it. Just starting off the day. And then you guys are also in the future. Is that correct? Yeah, we're in the future right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is very strange. Yeah, we are doing a, a multi-day, multi-country uh, podcast. Also, by the way, guys, I think this is the first time before we hit record, we just realized that Grace is on a boat right now. So I think this actually might be a record. She is the first guest on our podcast to be on the podcast from a boat. So congratulations, Grace. We'll have to send you like a sleeve of balls or something as a prize. So much. It's exciting. <laughs> so um, you guys just kicked off summer. How, is, how has it been so far? Uh, super hot? You guys getting out much? Or are you just kind of like easing into it? What's the, what's the vibe so far? Well, we were just talking about it. It's been a pretty miserable start to, to summer. It's been pretty rainy, which is, can be pretty typical here in New Zealand which is a little bit unfortunate, but we've had a pretty benign winter. I don't know if you agree, Grace, but there hasn't been too many days where we haven't been able to play golf. So it's pretty, we're pretty lucky here. We don't have to deal with snow and, and those sorts of things. So um, it's been good. It's just been a little bit of a rough start to summer. Yeah, it's been pretty good recently until what about the last month it's been there are some sunny days in there, but yeah, we're very lucky and especially often that we can play year round. It just does get a little bit wet. Yeah. So quick question, because I've never been to New Zealand. Uh, the winter when it's super, super cold or even into the spring, how cold does it get? Can you play year round if you're one of those crazy golfers or, or is it just too cold to get out there? You can definitely play all year round, especially in Auckland. And in the South Island, it might get a little bit cold and you might deal with a bit of snow um, in the middle of winter, but Auckland, 100%, you can play all year round. S some courses get a little bit boggy, what we could be a little bit wet underfoot, but, um, you know, where I play and, and where um, Grace is at Chiara, it's, it's sand Bay, so it's, you're pretty good all year round. So we're, we're really, really lucky. You need 100% book a trip down here, Andrew, and come and try it out. I, I cannot wait. Some of the best golf in the world. I, I agree. Look, it's funny, and I want to talk a little bit about just TRI and other courses down there. Me as an American, looking at pictures of the golf down there, it looks absolutely epic. And the landscape, the courses look just pure. Um, and also just, I do want to talk about just the overall TRI experience because the whole facility looks unreal it's one of those places where i feel like when you get there you just never want to leave yeah so we're going to get into that but before we start nerding out i'd love to at least um introduce you guys to our listeners um learn a little bit about what you guys are up to and how you got into the golf so who wants to go first grace do you want to go first sure cool i will say it. yeah now one thing so i think there's one interesting tidbit and correct me if i'm wrong grace you went to scad right yeah got it so you know so I also went to SCAD. So SCAD is Savannah College of Art and Design. Um, I studied graphic design there. What, what was your major, Grace? Um, I studied fashion marketing and management. Interesting. That's cool. And then now we're going to spar off for a second. What made you choose SCAD? So I had always been interested. I mean, it kind of goes a little bit further back, but I'd always been interested in fashion and art and growing up just really interested in that space. and. When I was around 14 or 15, I started playing golf. So a bit later, but I didn't really see any or visit any schools that I was really interested in. And I wasn't sure what I was actually going to study. 
as you know, in the States, it's so hard to actually pick what school you're going to end up at um, and try to figure out what your career is going to be. Um, and ironically, I was trying to figure out if I was going to play college golf. And my family and I took a trip through Savannah on our way to Hilton Head. And we saw the school and I was amazed by it. As you know, Savannah College of Art and Design is like an incredible school. Just the opportunity to study something that you're really, really interested in, which is just a bit different, was awesome. And I saw they had a golf team and thought, here's my time. I was shooting like 100 at the time, terrible golfer. And within the year, I turned it around and started talking to the college coach. And it kind of just, you know how some things happen that are meant to be it. It was really one of those moments, but yeah, so blessed about my time at, at SCAD. It was awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I love my time there. It's funny when I was in college, I was not playing golf. I didn't play until after, but yeah, Savannah is a great place to play, to play the game of golf. And it's so funny uh, when you realize how small the world is. Um, I meet people from SCAD here and there, uh, but it's always, but I've met very few in the world of golf. I feel like you might be the first one that I've met within golf. So I, I think that's pretty rad. Tell me what SCAD stands for. It stands for Savannah College of Art and Design. So it's one of the, the top art schools in the world, offering everything from photography to graphic design, to fashion marketing, fashion design, industrial design. I could go on and on and on, but something you'd be really interested in, actually. I could see that you going to SCAD and loving SCAD. It's just like such a creative place where we always used to joke, what, sleep comes after death because it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, brutal, brutal work. There are some majors. Uh, my wife, who is a, is a principal at a school, she was a teacher as well. But I met my wife at, at Savannah at SCAD. She was going to school for computer, computer animation. And well, that was her initial dream. She wanted to work for Pixar. And then when she, you know, a semester in, she realized how brutal it is where, you know, you're just sitting behind a computer in a lab, you know, making blades of grass in Maya and making them move. And then you work on that for a month straight and then you never leave the building. She's like, mm, maybe I should switch majors. So, yeah, it's some of the majors are really, really hard. I did a little hybrid of graphic design and photography. Um, but, yeah, I loved the time. I loved my time there. It was cool. So nice little tangent about college college days. We're not going to talk about when you graduated because the, the gap between me and you is going to be very wide and I'm going to look very, very old in this podcast. So we'll save that for next time. I did ask you that on Instagram and I think you chose not to tell me. <laughs> did I not tell you? Look, I will tell people I graduated in 05, 2005, which is so long ago. And Grace, what year? Now you have to tell us. When did you graduate? And if you say, if you say 2020, I'm going to feel really bad. <laughs> I look younger than I am, but 2017. Got it. Cool. All right. So not, not too bad. It could be worse. No, not too bad. <laughs> okay. Wait. So how did you start playing golf, by the way? So before SCAD, you played casually before that or no? Yeah. So I was a gymnast for a long time, did a bit of track and coming to my, yeah, you, you tend to grow out of gymnastics you get too tall for it. And mom randomly said to dad, she said, I think we're going to do a family golf lesson. Dad was like, really? He's played rugby his entire life. Just never really thought about golf. And so he went to a family golf lesson and I was the only one that kept with it. I play with mom will play sometimes, but dad's really into the game. Doesn't play that often, but yeah, I was the one stuck with golf. Didn't realize how cool it was probably until probably four years ago. <laughs> nice. And then, so how did you transition from school just to working down, uh, down in New Zealand at, at TRI? Like, tell us about that story and then what, what you do at the course. Yeah. So really interesting after college golf, I mean, a lot of people can agree. It's, it's definitely long hours and a lot of work playing college golf. And I'd say that I was a bit burnt out of it um, after I graduated. So took a year and a half off and I moved to New Zealand, thought it was just going to be for three months. Um, I was originally born in New Zealand. My dad's a Kiwi, my mom's American. And I thought, I'm going to move here, see what I can do in fashion. And I started working in fashion. My three months came, just I stayed 
and realized I didn't really love fashion and it really wasn't for me. And then I reached out and New Zealand is such a small place, what, 5 million people. And everyone tends to know each other here. We talk about this like two degrees of separation. It is incredible how everyone knows each other coming from Florida, which is what, over 20 million people blown away by it. And there was a job going that had already been hired for at Golf New Zealand for graphic design and marketing assisting. And yeah, I applied for it, ended up getting the job. Don't know why. (laughs) And that's kind of like where my love for the game came back. I realized that it was something that, you know, it did so much for me being able to go to SCAD and study art and design and meet all the incredible people that I'd met and being involved in the first tee when I was younger and just teaching me a lot of like life skills. And yeah, I was at Golf New Zealand for three and a half years, helped with everything from rebranding to working with different governing bodies on their brand, with our technology company to participation initiatives and just the overall strategy of golf in New Zealand um, at grassroots level. So yeah, that was awesome. And then probably about four months ago, five, six months ago, I started working here four months ago, but six months ago, I um, was working on a tourism project with Jim Rohrstaff, who is the director of Tadaiti and Tiarai Links. And yeah, an incredible opportunity came up at Tiarai Links. And here I am. I'm living the dream. Um, it's I I smile from ear to ear because it's incredible what is going on. I mean, what was done with Tadaiti, but what they've been able to create with Tiarai Links and being at the beginning stage of stages of it is it's mind-blowing the work that goes into creating a world-class golf course and a world-class resort. Yeah, that's fantastic. We're going to get into that a bit more. So, Dan, so we have another creative on the podcast, guys. Dan, what did you study in school, by the way? Then we'll get into some some more Dan stuff. I'm kind of the same as both of you. I, I studied, well, I studied initially um, sport and recreation and realized that was going absolutely nowhere and switched to studying business and then kind of felt the same a little bit about that and then realized my true sort of love is in design and I studied graphic design um at a small school here in Auckland um but my both my parents are sort of in creative industries my my dad was in advertising my mum was in filmmaking so and actually my grandfather was a mid-century architect um so a lot of influences come through my roots I suppose is is what you call it but um yeah my my Skill set is mainly in graphic design, as that is kind of where I started. Nice man. I will say, just as a, a a powerhouse there, dad in advertising, mom in filmmaking. Just, I can only imagine the conversations at dinner time growing up. Like that is, that is creative gold right there. Yeah, it's funny. I can't actually recall like actual work conversations around the dinner table funnily enough it wasn't that kind of household but um obviously massively um influenced by you know you kind of in hindsight look back and you realize how formative it it really was um you know everything my mum is um sort of deep in in film and and you kind of get a you know um an insight into films that you might not be aware of if if your parents aren't into that industry, so it's super cool and sort of amazing art house films and some of the films she made are, um, are super inspiring and, and amazing that she kind of got off the ground and got funding for. And, um, you know, I'm super proud of her looking back at it now. Um, but then again, yeah, I can't remember it being a, a conversation around, um, you know, in the household at the time. Yeah, just sometimes just being around that it's the way of thinking and the way of doing things is sometimes that's half of the creative experience because you, to your point, you look at the world and you see things differently and you, and you also, you're exposed to different things, which in, which in turn inspires the things you do make. Yeah. It's been mainly being like forced to be on, on, you know, film sets and, and meetings and in the time at the time it's so boring, but you kind of just, you kind of take it like a sponge and you don't realize how, 
um, you know, amazing it is until you look back. But, um, you know, like for me, sport has been part of my makeup since I was little. And, um, you know, that was just, you know, came natural to both my brother and I. And then you kind of blend the, that world with what they did. And you kind of realize that's where you kind of em- end up now. Yeah, that's awesome. I randomly stumbled on uh, Fantle. I don't know how I found it because the Instagram algorithm sucks. Uh, But one of the things that really caught my eye was just the overall design approach. And within golf, like me, again, being a designer, um, I have a certain aesthetic just because I'm a designer. Like, I mean, the hat that I have on now has typography on it because I can't help myself. Um, But just the overall aesthetic and the vibe of the brand with, with Fantle, which I'd love to talk a little bit about just what inspired it? Like what, you know, what was that eureka moment that made you say, Hey, I want to do something different in golf. Um, from that where design is part of the core DNA, because I feel like there are very few brands that are doing that where they're really focusing on just that creative foundation versus just spinning up a polo. So I don't know, tell us like what made you start to, you know, uh, create Fantle, but maybe before that, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, when did you start playing? Because we didn't talk about that yet. And wait, um, hold on. Just to jump in, Dan is also, yeah. he worked for Les Mills International, and so he's incredible. This is his part-time little job that he has, his fantasy sport. And I just want to point that out because we know how hard it is to have a cycle. So amazing at multiple things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spread yourself too thin and you kind of end up doing nothing. It's kind of the approach, isn't it? You got to grind. I'll be- yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I started playing golf. Actually, I don't know what what it is in America. Um, it's what, what it, and it's even changed since I was at school. Which I think it sounds like I'm a similar age to you, Andrew. Sort of late thirties. Um, but we we did PE at school, and part of that um, second to five, uh, my second to last year at high school, and got no idea what that is in America. What's it, what what is that called? Like second to last year, your junior year. Yeah. Junior year, right. Anyway, we did a, um, as part of our PE project, we either chose between tennis and golf. And thankfully for me, I chose golf and it was kind of a, you kind of play golf and you analyze the whole sport and the biomechanics and all, all the things that came along with golf. And that was sort of my intro to the game. And we play against one another and go to the course and, um, you know, it's when I really kind of got the bug. Um, and then when I finished high school, I actually spent with a couple of my close buddies, literally we played, you know, every single day, if not twice a day, um, and kind of self-taught and like with some of the other sports I played, like basketball and cricket, we kind of got, um, the fundamentals from when you're really young, I really don't have that when it comes to golf. So a little bit more self-taught and I, I kind of am really envious of those people that picked it up really young because it's, um, you know, when you pick up things young, it sort of sticks with you for life and you have those, that, that, that beautiful skill set that just never leaves you. Um, so those people that just make it look easy. I almost want to shake them and go, I just wish I had that. A hundred, a hundred percent. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. So Fantel. So it's been a kind of probably a work in progress for, I mean, for a long time. Funnily enough, when you ask about my design background, I did a project on it in my uni, you know, when I, in 2006, I think I was, I did a project on Fantel. It was actually Fantel clothing back then. So the, the idea was always there and the design approach was always there. I think back then it was actually more of a full sportswear brand. Um, and, you know, a full, it, back then it was more like a, a design approach, premium um, sportswear brand, maybe like an Acne Studios or APC type sportswear brand. So a little bit more premium than some of the, the, um, the typical sportswear brands that are sort of, massive in the market these days like the the Addies and nikes of the world um but as i sort of became more and more addicted to golf i saw there was more and more um opportunity um and like you said andrew the design approach the branding approach the storytelling approach which i haven't even sort of dipped my toes into yet um 
is is through and through and and I can't wait to sort of get stuck into it more and more but um with design and branding at the forefront of everything we do um going forward and I don't even think people have sort of seen the little details and and things that um I've spent our you know my my logo for instance is so simple but you've just got no idea how how yeah. hard it is just to sign your own stuff off um, oh, yeah. it becomes a crazy um I want to swear but um yeah you go around and around in circles just to get to something that looks so simple and 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 clean for sure but it's cool because I feel like just with design in all things it's exciting to see it permeate other parts of culture and especially when it comes to golf because it's not just the clothing uh because when I think about like TRI which I want to just talk about for a second um it's at least for me what I've seen, like the approach to de- the approach to design, and not just in the course, like it weaves its way all the way through to the bottom, which I find very exciting, even down to you know where you're staying and the little touches and, and details in the room. Um, there's a really cool another brand, uh, a buddy of mine. Uh, he has a brand called Sentinel. He makes like small golf accessories, and he made a few things for TRI, or actually for uh, I'm going to say Tara Edie, but I know that's not right because you said something else. How do you say Tara Edie? That's the, that is right. That is right. Got it. Yeah. But it's like using design. Some people find the R's hard to work. Mm, interesting. Um, but yeah, but there's that idea of having really smart design be kind of like a core foundational part of the golf experience I find to be very cool. So Grace, tell us about just an average day at TRI, because I have lots of questions. Obviously, I'm going to come over one one day. But what does an average day for you look like there at the course? Yeah, I'm going to take it one step back, back to that branding and the experience of the golf course. I mean, working at Golf New Zealand and working with different clubs and, I mean, coming from America to coming to a country where you can make such a big difference and you can, 390 golf clubs, you can really see the way that clubs work. It was, you know, Tiarai Links and Tariitu are the first ones that I find anywhere. And there are some really great examples in America, but have done everything so well to the, I call it the, if you know, you know, logo. You look at the, what, the master's logo and you see it anywhere and you go, oh, if you know, you know. And it's, it's become that way with the, what, Tariiti with now Tiarai Links and, you know, everything from the luxury brand to the actual, the, you're arriving and people are taking your golf clubs and, you know, employees actually, they want you there and they want you to have the best experience ever. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really, they're both incredible places. Um, and I really do hope that you come one day because it's awesome. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. But back to the actual question that you asked a typical day. So when I'm on site, so Tiara is around 90 minutes from Auckland. And so I actually live in Auckland as I'm on a boat right now. This is our other office. So it's just slumming it. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But when I am on site, I'll drive up and drive back in the same day. So usually talking with members, what I, what my job is, is I'm the marketing director. So I just started to take over some stuff in Tariti as well. Um, but that's everything from media to PR to social media to you name it, what the menus look like, the helping with that overall experience. So I'm a one man band. It's just Jim and I that we are across it all, which is just an incredible opportunity. But yeah, and some days I am lucky enough to have some meetings on the golf course. But even though everyone thinks it's every every day, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's funny. Like, I feel like, I don't know, this is my first time working in golf. And for a second, I thought that prior to this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm working in golf now. I'm going to get to play way more golf. It's not really true. You're around it more, which is interesting and fun. But, you know, when you're doing a photo shoot at a range and you're just there and you just can't touch a club, it's kind of painful. But, you know, at least you're around the game. Yeah, and absolutely. And hey, I... I could never work for a product that I wasn't passionate about. And so I think that's why it's incredible. And I just, I love golf so much to begin with, but yeah, I, I laugh about social media because you can post photos about around being around a golf course 
And people are like, oh my gosh, you get to play every day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Do, do you guys ever get bored with the views, by the way? Or no? Is it just breathtaking every time? I pinch my phone. It's incredible. I always say to people, just because I'm around the overall strategy and Jim is so inspirational and he's just so forward thinking and what's next and just being around that positivity all the time. He's also American, um, which is really, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I walk around and I genuinely believe that it'll be the best golf resort in the world. And that is very, it's, it's a crazy feeling that you definitely pinch yourself. Wow. So then both of you guys are in Auckland, yes? Yep. So, and then uh, Terry Ed is about 90 minutes away. So then just the vibe, because now I have some New Zealand questions because I've never been. So I'm just trying to get like a, get my bearings on the ground. Uh, the landscape, obviously you're coming out of the city an hour and a half, which is a, a, a good ways away. What's the golf vibe like in Austin or Auckland? Is it a bigger city or, or not quite? Yeah. So it's our, it's our biggest city by, by quite a lot. and. Grace, you might know better than me, actually, because you're, you're closer to the, the data, probably. But we have, I think, per capita in the world, we have more golf courses than anywhere else. And Auckland is, um, we've got so many options of different, from links courses to parkland. So you've kind of got a bit of everything from cheap to luxury. So whatever you want, it's, you're kind of catered to. It's a different, when it comes to golf, um, it's not quite like an American experience. You might get a few resort type courses, um, but it's um it's a pretty pretty ex um special experience. But um, do you know that? Actually, am I right when I talk the per capita thing, Grace? You probably know the, the numbers. So Scotland's number one, and New Zealand's number. Really, that's cool. So New Zealand is the second. Second most, a country with the second most golf courses in the world. Yeah. And it is, you're so right, Dan. It's so different. When I first moved here, there's not many, and especially in Auckland, like you don't really get ranges or, and I'm used to come, used to coming from Florida in Naples where country course, like country clubs, right? And so you're getting, there's always a range. There's always this incredible experience. It's so expensive to draw courses. It's crazy. Here. It is so accessible. And that is why it's awesome to be a part of that growing the game side of it, because you can actually see how you can make a difference that you, you see so many people around you, but also it might be $2,000 to join a, a golf club and that's unlimited play per year. You say that in America and you'd be like, wow, where can you do that? You can't really do that. Yeah. A, a really, really good golf course for two grand. Yeah. That's unbelievable. But then there's also, we go from like, what, Tariti, number two in the world. We have Tiarai Links. We have Mudawai is a great golf course. You know, we have these nice golf courses, incredible golf courses. But then we also have these country courses where there's an honesty box and there's sheep around the green. And you're going, there's a fence around the green to keep the sheep away. And that is just blows my mind because you don't get that in America. Yeah. Really anywhere else, probably Scotland is where else you get that. Yeah. I feel like I've only played, I've been to Scotland a couple of times, but then the courses with the honesty box, I feel like I've experienced that probably once. Everything's a racket. Yeah. Everything's a hustle. Yeah. And that's it. And then every, like here in New York, forget it. Everything's a racket. Everything's a hustle. Everything's expensive. You're being rushed. <laughs> Starters are yelling at you. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally different vibe. It's interesting to hear the complete antithesis of that which i think is, is is cool and refreshing i think it also comes back to the kiwis are very casual they're very relaxed and laid back and and that's how they they do golf and it's awesome to see you might be at where like waverly golf course and it's twenty dollars and an honesty box and you have guys rocking up in flip-flops we call them jandals and you know rugby <laughs> shorts and their gum boots and you know it's cool to see that side of the game as well it's just casual and chill yeah i love that so dan with Fantel, it i mean the vibe that i get from the brand is it's very casual and a little bit technical um was 
Was the New Zealand or, or the Kiwi golf aesthetic, was that inspiration for you creating the brand? It's a good question. Not really. Um, I try and take a global approach to, to most things that I do, but um, it's funny because, you know, you could argue that, you know, everything, our first range is all black, which is, a, is just a funny coincidence um, and more of a cost thing than anything else. You don't want to start and you want to do a million colors, a million silhouettes, and you realize pretty quick how, how expensive that is. It's super frustrating. Um, but the more I've um, sort of got into it, the more I really want to put New Zealand on the map. Um, it's such a special place. I think we've got a culture here of like you kind of become good at anything. You want to bugger off to New York or Paris or LA and take your talents there. And I'm I'm a little bit, well, I'm super passionate about how do we keep our best talent here and create phenomenal businesses here um, and brands more than anything where it's it forces us to to stay here and make our our city and country. Um, better you know you know if you're from Brooklyn you rep Brooklyn and that's where you're from and you, you kind of um, you know those other cities like Venice or you know places in the states it's like yeah I'm going to hold it down and I think we kind of are, are, are patriotic to a certain extent but then um, we kind of leave and we kind of talk about it from afar instead of like well how can we just make it more special here um, so yeah I think the more we grow I think if we can tell New Zealand stories um, globally, um, that is 100% the plan of, plan of attack. And um, how can we tell um, stories that are that are about the people here and, and, and going big, but in, in a super aspirational way of thinking bigger? And I think Grace sort of alluded to it, but um, we have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome, and I think we need a little bit more of an American attitude towards our approach to businesses and even our 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 um, our individual approach to ourselves of like hyping each other up um, will bring people down before we bring them up, which is is really frustrating. If you go, you know, to travel through the states, it's like, oh, you're doing this, cool. It's like, how can I help you? Whereas we might give you ten reasons why not to do that um, business or that idea. And I really, really hate that. So I think, um, how can we encourage people to um, do more and think bigger? Yeah, that's cool. I dig that. I have a question for both of you. So if you had to think of one thing, and this might be hard, it might take a second. If there is one thing that you would say like that best describes uh, what New Zealand golf is like in comparison to golf anywhere else in the world, uh, what would that one thing be? For me, uh, probably the word that comes to mind is just is casual, um, but not too casual that it becomes. I, I think it's um, maybe a better word is actually v- variety. Um, I was going to say variety. Yeah, there's just something for everyone. Like I can hit a driver to a course called Chamberlain Golf Course in the city from my house here, um, which I'm trying to think of an example in America, which is, is something close to it. Maybe comes. Penmark comes to mind in Venice. If you've played there, Andrew, I'm not sure. It's just a nine hole. Chamberlain's actually an 18 hole, but um, super casual, costs 40 bucks to play. Um, public course, but I prefer to drive out to Mirawai, which is a beautiful black sand um, links course, um, which is something incredibly special that you'll never have anywhere else in the world. And um, so, yeah, I think variety for me is is the big thing that come, comes to mind, something for everyone. Yeah. I feel as if scenic opportunity, it's just, it's awesome to be in a place that golf is so accessible and the scenes are so different. All you have to do is drive 40 minutes, drive an hour that I laugh because I get to experience, I believe, the best golf in the world. And I can play at Tariti or play at Tiana Links, but also on the weekend I play at Chamberlain and I love Chamberlain. It's what, $20, $40. And, you know, I'll go to Waverly, I'll go to just 13 hole golf courses. And it, it doesn't, I think it really brings out like the true love of the game because you're not necessarily going to courses because they have these incredible names. Like you're there because 
experience is great. The views are great. The it's just about the love of the game at the end of the day. For sure. Yeah. The love of the game is very important. Can we take a quick gear tangent, by the way? I want to talk about what you guys are playing. So, uh, Dan, let's start with you. So what's in the bag? Give us the quick, quick breakdown. I'm not really a gearhead, but I, I've got a sim sim driver. I've got a um I've actually got a mixed bag now that I say it out loud. I've got a Titleist hybrid, got no idea what um you know I've had it for years. Same with my ping three wood. Then I've got T two hundred Titleist irons, which I absolutely love, and I've had those for a couple of years. And then I've got um ping wedges. Um chipping's a massive issue for me, so those are ones that have been sort of forced to me out of all my chipping yips. And then I've got a um tailor made putter. I forget what one of it is. I think it's the same one that, that Rory uses. It's got no idea what it's called. Oh spider nice. putter. Ah yeah, the spider. Spider is good. Now the most important part, Dan, because this as a designer, this is something that I love to ask. And this to me, this is almost more important than the clubs. What is what bag do you have? I've got a ping bag. Actually, a, a, um, I just got it. It's actually, I only got it because it's super light. And I got it from my mm-hmm. club up at Mirawai. Um, nice. But yeah, I had a Titleist one before that. So it's actually really good. Just as a FYI, we, I've been working with a, a little company to develop a, um, a super um, expensive bag, which is, I actually can't wait for the world to see just as a little plug. I want one. Um, some, Yep, need one. Add to cart. I'll give you my credit card information after this podcast. The what? What one do you have though? Yeah, so my golf bag. I have. It's a brand called McKenzie. Uh, they're in Oregon. Yeah, so they've got like the old school single strap, but they made a. There's like a special edition collaboration one they did with this brand that Sentinel. So the brand that did some hats for for Terry Ed. Um, it's uh, like a technical material. It has it comes in this like olive color. Um, and I just like the way that it was kind of like this perfect balance of classic and, and modern. So, yeah, that's that's my bag. And then sticks. I have a mixed bag, too. Um, it's actually one of the first years where I actually just walked into the golf shop and was completely. I said, you know what? Like, don't even think about brands. Just think about what you like, uh, what you're comfortable hitting. So I have a stealth driver. I have a TSI three hybrid. I have Mizuno two two five irons. Now, because I'm a designer, I can't help myself, and I didn't even need irons. I was just in the shop, like messing around. I think I was maybe getting some like club screw grip or something, and I saw them, and they are the most beautiful iron I've ever seen. They are minimal. They've got this cool kind of like eighty script on the back, and I was like, you know what? Just hit them and see how you like them. And I hit them, and they feel buttery and soft um so yeah once i see something aesthetically that like speaks to me and then it functions then and then i can't i'm done yeah so i have mizuno 225s uh four through what do i have four through pitch uh titleist wedges and then i have an even roll mallet putter yeah so i'm fully mixed all the way through there's so many beautiful designs out there from a design approach that and not necessarily very functional. Yeah, my bag is probably, I don't know, 60% design and 40% functional. It's very functional if I'm walking and carrying my bag myself. It's lightweight, it's one strap. Uh, I do get a little bit of flack if I'm, you know, if I'm playing with a buddy that's a member at a club. The caddies don't like carrying it because it doesn't have the, the, the double strap and it doesn't have the little legs, but it's sleek and small. I do have a stand bag that sometimes I go back and forth on. But for me, that's like, because I'm always in the city, like I'm carrying a bag or a half bag. So it's just, it's easy for me to kind of like carry around and it's just small and compact. So that's why I like it. But I'm always looking for other bags. Like the Ping Hoofer is a great one. Uh, Sun Mountain has a bag. They have, there's, I forget the model. It's one bag. We posted to Instagram a little while ago, but it's, it's super minimal and sleek. Sun Mountain makes, I think the lightest bag on the market. I think it's like 4.9 ounces or something. And it has no logos. It's And it comes with this beautiful shade of dark green. Like this is the stuff that I, I obsess about. So anyways, Grace, it's your turn. I've rambled enough. 
<laughs> so I'm actually not going to tell you what I have because we're a Callaway golf club and I'm about to get fitted for some Callaways. So oh, yeah. that's what I will be. I'm not, I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but maybe next podcast I'll let you know. Um, but what I will say is I'm, I'm working with, with my head covers. Um, I have a Jones bag, which I've hand painted the strap, which is a bit of fun. It's yeah, it's very, I love it. I did that during lockdown of last year. Um, I also have my SCAD bag. I still, it still says SCAD on it. And my boss gives me shit all the time saying, where's your Callaway bag? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a fuzzy North Coast golf head cover on my five wood, which is like tie dyed. It's pretty cool. Nice. And then I have this head cover. It's Nicola Voltra because America, you know, you have to have something <laughs> in your bag. And it's called Dever You. I don't know how you say it. Oh, I think it's Dev Devro. Yeah. Devro. There you go. I have yeah. one of those, which I actually bought it. Um, hype golf. There was a pop up in New York City, and I was in the states a few months ago. Popped into there and got one of those. But yeah, those are some of my little the things that I like. I have a random golf club head cover in there, and a love golf head cover, and that's the fun stuff I find. Yeah, I agree. the 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 accessories for me is where I get crazy. Like it gets out of hand really, really, really fast. That's fun. Yeah. Let us know when you get fit because I want to see your full setup. And I also want to see pictures of this painted strap because that sounds cool. I'll send you yeah. some photos of it. Yeah. I'm excited to get fitted for Callaway. I just recently switched to a two ball putter and I've been making some putts. So there you go. I'm also I've been the queen of three putting. So it's really nice to know that I can make some putts. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh, man. Michelob Ultra. When was the last time I had a Michelob Ultra? Yeah. Uh, tangent over to snacks because I'm curious for each of you guys. So you hit the turn, you're on nine, and look, it could be just whatever snack. I'm very curious with Grace because she's gonna have the Florida meets Georgia meets New Zealand approach to the turn snack. Uh, but what is the what is your preferred snack at the turn, and what is the like classic Kiwi golfer snack at the turn? If there if there is one, you could be like, dude, we eat hot dogs like you guys. Like it's not that serious, or you could say something I don't know different. I'm just curious. It's a really good question. I love it. Um, just one thing. We don't have bev carts here, which I think is an interesting thing. I think it's actually because um, legally we can't have alcohol on the course. I think that's the reason why we don't have them. Um, mm -hmm. But funnily enough, I try and play as one of the first people off in the morning Then I've just started um, fasting. So I try and actually play golf on an empty stomach which has been an interesting transition from a person who would normally get up and smash some bacon and eggs or something every morning um but our our go-to snack here i reckon is sort of like a bacon and egg sandwich is probably something you'll find in every um every pro shop here in, in new zealand our catering is left something to be desired it's pretty pretty poor like you will get some pretty bad food here at most golf courses. It's probably pretty good up at Tiara and Tarahiti. Um, I'm sure it's a lot better there, but um, generally the food options um, in New Zealand, um, and honestly, it could be something that so many courses could do better and it would bring in more business, I think, is more of a thing that's just beyond the golf, making an experience for the families to show up um, either before or after um, golf, like I would just love to get to a golf course and have a great cup of coffee um, that were from a barista made coffee, and I would love, you know, that experience. Um, just little things I think courses could do here from an ex like Grace earlier from an experience standpoint um, for some of the the, the smaller, um, not so um, expensive golf courses. I think there's a lot more we could do. And I think that's why you look at, you You really have to separate Tarayuti and Tiarai links and go, that is totally separate than what you get. You don't get that. I mean, that's already just a world-class offering, but in New Zealand, you don't get that experience anywhere else of like mm -hmm. a barista made coffee and charcuterie boards and, you know, you name it, they have it. Um, but yeah, 
I, I miss hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. When I was back in the States, I, after my round, I had, I had a hot dog because you don't get that in New Zealand, but yeah. The most interesting thing is I think that Dan, you're really right in saying that if you were to get, if golf clubs were to get the little things right, that even just a few healthy options or what you see is you'll have like cookie time cookies in the pro shop, or you'll have some muesli bars that aren't actually healthy or pies. Mm. So in New Zealand, I don't know if you know, but like mince pies and bacon and egg pies are really, really big here. Like little like individual pies. And that is just such a Kiwi food. And they have those in the pro shops, some, some pro shops, which is interesting. Mm. Got it. Interesting. My go-to love a hot dog. I also there's these peach sours that I usually always have in my golf bag. And in New Zealand, this is so strange. In America, it's not like this. You can go to they call them four squares, like dairies, which are like corner shops almost. And you can get lollies, candy that are in little bags that are like someone's put the lollies in there and just like ziplock. It's a ziplock bag basically. And so they're really delicious. That's not, I don't think that's legal in America. (laughs) No, that's definitely not legal. I mean, in certain neighborhoods in the city, yeah, there's someone on the street with hand-packed bags of something. And yeah, you just pay for it. Like one of my favorite street snacks in the summer, especially here, is uh, mango. So um, a lot of time you'll find like, you know, Union Square or certain parts of the city only in the summer. There is a woman with a, like a fold out old shopping cart with just filled with mangoes and then she's slicing them. They're perfectly ripe. And also I'm Guyanese. So my family is, you know, West Indian Caribbean. So I grew up eating mangoes and curries and all this fun stuff. So I, I'm, I'm obsessed with mangoes um, and peeling mangoes is the worst. And if someone can do it for you, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, you just buy them off the street and she cuts it right there and puts them in a Ziploc bag. And then sometimes you get it with a little bit of uh, hot sauce or you can put some this like there's a spice mixture called tagine, which is delicious. But yeah, that's one of my favorite illegal. I love that so much. It's so tagine. good. Yeah. Tagine. Get in here. If I come over, I will bring you like a giant box of it. And Takis. <laughs> I love Takis. Oh, yeah. Takis are good too. But you raise a good point about this idea of just not necessarily forcing and just trying to cram everything in. And I think there's some really interesting parallels with not just clubs and pro shops and food, but even down to like apparel and accessories and all these fun things with golf. But like, yeah, for me, a pro shop would be, it's simple. I probably checked in and done all of the payment things online prior to even showing up. There definitely needs to be a barista there because I want to get a, I get a flat white as soon as I pull up. That's it. Get a flat white. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) I've been hanging out with Adam Scott way too long. And uh, yeah, I just, we just drink flat whites now. I used to be big on Cortados, which uh, I had one earlier today, but I feel like a flat white, you get a little bit more milk and it just, it's a little bit more satisfying, which is nice. But yeah, that, a small snack, maybe some fruit. You go to America and you want a flat white? I've got no idea what you want. Yeah. They're like, huh? I think a flat white might be the best coffee. Yeah, it is. Dan, what's your go-to coffee? Uh, yeah, I'm the same. Although, um, yeah, I'm definitely a flat white guy. And actually, when I'm in the states, though, I actually a cortado is a go-to because they, um, it's not quite as strong as New Zealand coffee. Like one thing, Andrew, we're really known for our coffee here. Our coffee is incredible, so we become mm. coffee snobs real quick. Um, and when we travel, <laughs> uh, we make it a priority to find amazing coffee shops. I think New York and LA are pretty getting pretty good now with Stumptown and Blue Bottle. And, yeah, yeah. You know, some great coffee spots, especially in New York. Yeah, I can just see that. The picture of, I'm, I'm just imagining, like, and then some of the pictures I've seen of, of TRA's uh, golf, golf shop and facilities are epic. Like the wood and the angles and clean, but like that with an espresso bar and like next to it there's just for me there's a rack of all black polos there's like black and white and gray and then like shoes out just lined up evenly in a row that's all i want in life that's it that's all i need it's that simple it's not much to ask is it yeah 
And then you just walk outside. Yeah, you like you Apple, you Apple pay with your phone. The self check-in thing is actually something I didn't never thought about. Like a hotel now is most hotels are self check-in. You're you're so right. It's so backward to have someone in the pro shop checking you in is is a bit surely that's got to change pretty soon. Yeah, with our technology company in New Zealand, um, dot golf. They have some offerings like that. So when it used to be Honesty Box and COVID changed a lot of this, mm-hmm. when you had to check in without someone being there, but there are QR codes and things that you can pay online and check in yourself, but just not every club chooses to use it. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like in another maybe five years, we'll, we'll get there. Like I've seen some very interesting articles, like, and this is not golf. This is a complete side tangent, but, uh, the process of checking in at the airport and getting on a plane, like even in our lifetimes or in our lifetime, you can see how much it's, it's evolved where you had to, first you had to go to the counter and talk to someone and then get a piece of paper and then go. It was so inefficient. And I think they're, they've taken very small steps where, Oh, I can check in on my phone now. And then I have this e-ticket. And then even now some places where you can actually, check your own bags and then you just like drop them off. I think some of that thinking would be cool to have in golf. Cause it's just not that complicated, especially when you're paying for your round online anyways. Now, nowadays. So anyways, so when the, when the clouds break and the sky is blue, which hopefully will be for you guys tomorrow, uh, what are you guys planning on doing? I don't know. As, as summer kicks off, are we going to the beach? Are we playing more golf? Like what, what are the plans? Yeah, I'll be playing as much off as possible hopefully at 7 48 tomorrow morning but i'm the back end of um, back end of covid so this is has been my first um run-in with with it it's been a weird um weird week of dealing with this for the first time so hopefully i my body is up to it because i don't want to um i don't want to get into the long-term covid covid which sounds absolutely awful um but yeah for me summer is going to be um traveling around um, to as many golf courses as possible. We're actually, um, Grace, staying at, in Mangawai for uh, um, Christmas. So Mangawai, which is re- right by where Tiara is, Andrew. So there's around there, there's actually some beautiful little Waipu and Mangawai golf courses, these amazing sort of country um, links type courses, um, which are probably like, 10, 15 minutes from those super premium courses. Um, so really excited for that. Hopefully another um, golf destination here in, is Taupo, which um, has got courses called Wairaki, Kinlock, um, and a couple of others there that are absolutely incredible. And they're about three hours from Auckland driving. Um, so hopefully try and get there at some point and try and get some content for Phantom Sport. Nice. Any um any new pieces coming out for Phantom over the over the next couple of months or just business as usual? Yeah, so we've got some incredible product coming hopefully by the end of this year and launching in January um next year. So we'll do a fast follow with um a bit of a campaign, hopefully some nice. of the tournament. Um, some really interesting um innovative products which I can't wait for the world to see. Can you give us any like sneak peeks on like what we can expect? Like just give us a little taste. We've got this um, patented um, fabric, which is our Armour Pro, which is we're turning that into some pants and a crew neck um, sort of over top, some half zip um, kind of polo Ben Davis type mix, um, which I can't wait. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is sort of innovating the polo and and what so many clubs still enforce polos which is an interesting conversation in itself <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean especially for women um oh. that's another thing that i i can't wait to dip our toes into is is women's wear um and oh yeah that as quick as possible because i think the opportunity there is is amazing and just changing some of the stigmas around golf for women and making it more exciting and um, I think the potential there is um, through the roof. It's so true. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love a collar. Like, I love a polo. But, and this is strictly from an aesthetics perspective, I feel like 
there are, especially being in New York, I see people on the street that are wearing a t-shirt and a nice pair of pants that look more together and sharp and refined than someone in the traditional golf outfit. Yeah. I, I believe that what we're all on this mission to make golf cool in our own way. And it's awesome to see everyone around the world pushing that needle forward. But one of the biggest issues of pushing people away from the game is all of these things that you have to do, these rules, these, is why I, I never wear a yeah. collar and I could play some of it. Well, I do play the best golf courses in the world and I don't wear a collar on those golf courses. So why should I have to anywhere else? But yeah, I mean, you want people to, we want an inclusive game for all. And I, I think that there's definitely some barriers to break down and dress code being one of the main ones, but I really look forward to seeing your woman's clothing because it is, I'm a Lululemon girl because there's no other options, but I would love to support local brands. So I'm excited about that. I know it sounds sick. Yeah. So wait, is there no dress code at TRI? No dress code, right? No, just look, look smart. Just look smart. See that to me is all you need to say. So good. Just don't look like a schlep. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to wear your hat in the clubhouse, you, you wear it. It's at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. It's about you out there enjoying this incredible experience. And I think that's where people just get so wrapped up and people have told me off and my friends will listen to this and they'll laugh because they've been in these situations with me about someone at a country course telling me to take my hat off in the clubhouse. And it's like, I will say back because I'm sassy. I'll say why. (laughs) they don't they don't know right it's that simple it's it truly is that simple it's like why or you can't wear a curtain certain color or i don't know i've heard the blacks you can't wear black socks or yeah it's just stupid but yeah hopefully with time more when, when they get more i think one of the things that i get really excited about in golf is i think there's something to be said about strength in numbers and some institutions and traditions within the game and in all parts of life take a long time to change but then i think there's something happening in golf which i'm very excited about where there's younger people that have a different perspective on the game that are just doing things different and some people are going to be down with that and want to get on board because it's just like another way to think about things um but then i do think that over time hopefully this is my you know optimistic approach is that there will be more people in the game that look at the game and perceive it the way that we do you know this casual laid back you know kiwi vibe flat whites only we need we need more of that in the game and then hopefully over time just that that will become the normal and then maybe you know we'll all be 60 years old and every club will have flat whites and they'll all be monitored and and clean that'll just become the new standard and then another generation will come along and and then they'll kind of like take it to the next level and what that looks like we don't know so I don't know. I find this stuff very cool. Yeah, me too. And I think, you know, golf's going through a massive boom or has because of COVID. And it's just, let's, I just really hope that it continues that uh, you already see it now because clubs are over, you know, overloaded and, and clubs now are like, oh, cool, we'll bump the price up by double. You know, I heard a, a thing the other day where, you know, um, within five years, their, their fee doubled. And it's sort of like, okay, cool. Mm what happens next year when we go into a recession, the first thing people are going to cut is probably their, their golf membership. Um, right. So it's sort of like future-proofing, and I know brands will, will play a big part in keeping it relevant. Well, I hope so anyway. But, um, yeah, I hope the clubs don't put it off by 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 adding to the stigma of, of the cost issue for um, people going forward because I think that is, is a massive thing that has been putting off many people for a long time, even though we know because we're deep in it, you can get a cheap set and you can get a cheap round whenever you want it. But um, yeah, the costing can be very off-putting. And that's what we talk about this experience, right? We hope that golf courses, they, they alter this experience for beginners, for people that are just enjoying the game. It's about the experience. It's not necessarily about the cost of it, but that's why the fair game app is really, really cool because you know, it, it's people betting against, it's this competition. It's this connecting with people across the world. It's yeah. I feel like there's a lot of cool golf tech and it. Yeah. It's awesome to see what you guys have done at fair game because it definitely is leading the way. 
yeah it's been fun so far so thanks for being on the pod guys appreciate it yeah always good to chat with you thanks for listening to this episode of the fair game podcast if you haven't already you can hit subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or whatever service you may be using we've also launched the fair game app golf's first digital clubhouse the place to play your game and connect with golfers across the country. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can also find us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some of our original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the podcast episode details. We'll see you next time.